This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you in the studio with Pastor Craig. Good morning. Vietnam. Vietnam. Good Good morning. Yes. Pastor Craig is the uh, lead pastor of the Village Church East. I am the lead pastor of the Village Church of Bartlett. And today we are going after um, five questions that are all going to be dropped, all episodes that will be dropped all at once, and they're all about how we got our Bible. So, Pastor Craig, here's our first question. What books almost didn't make it the Old Testament and New Testament canon and why? Now, before you jump into that, would you just tell us what is what does the word canon mean? And then we can jump into the question. Well, canon means read. <laughs> <laughs> I might have just told them that before we got in. <laughs> I, I had forgotten what it meant, yeah. but yeah, it's a standard. You do, you do know you preached mm. on this very subject in January of 2019. I'm amazing. Not 2019. It was. Explore God series. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Wow. I have your notes. Uh, it feels like a whole year ago. Uh, anyway, <laughs> read is a standard of measure. So if you look at the books of the Bible, you'll see a standard of measure that the church aimed at in order to uh, uh, come to agreement as to what goes in the Bible and what doesn't go in the Bible. There's a lot of books being written by a lot of different people uh, throughout uh, the early uh, time of the church. And so they were constantly um, deciding which met the criterion, which didn't meet the criteria in order to fit into the Bible. And so read the word canon. Canon is the idea that these these books were agreed upon by the early church because they met certain criteria in order to be in the canon. So we have 66 books that were agreed upon by the early church. Awesome. Yeah, read, read was the standard of measurement. And, Indeed. and the Bible is the standard of measurement. Not of read, R-E-A-D, but R-E-E. Ooh, good job, man. Mm. I wasn't even thinking in terms of the spelling. That'd be funny, just dropping in, like, how is read a standard of measurement? I can read this. It goes in. <laughs> so there were there were basically four requirements for a book to be recognized as canon. And I think what's important about canon is the the church didn't make something canon. They recognized canon. Correct, yeah. The church had no authority to take a, a book and then sanctify it and put holy water on it and then make it all of a sudden the Bible. Yeah, these were books that were already being uh, passed among the churches. Yep. And and the church's job was to say, okay, we believe God is revealing himself. And there are a lot of, of counterfeits because this is what the evil one does. He mm-hmm. counterfeits regularly, Indeed. tries to mix people up and confuse them. Mm-hmm. And so they had a basic criterion for what would be— like, right, this is how we recognize it. So one is, if it's a New Testament book, it needs to be apostolic, meaning it has to have apostolic authority Correct. or endorsement. Mm-hmm. And the apostles were really the the new prophets, if you will. Uh, number two, it needed to be accepted, uh, accepted by Jesus, preferably if Jesus quoted it, how he referenced it, how he articulated it. You can um, find that in Scripture even today. You see, every totally. time Jesus says, haven't you heard, or as it is written. Yep. And that's why in the, uh, in the New Testament, constantly you'll find in the books— because this is one of the criteria, the apostles will say, as it is written. Yep. So they're constantly referring to books that are already included in canon. Yep. They, they have a notion of what it is, mm-hmm. whether or not they call it a Bible or canon is relevant. They know right. it's always been a part of the people of God to have a, a set apart piece of literature mm-hmm. that is identified as revelation from God through mm-hmm. man. So This is also, by the way, how we tell some of the stories in scripture that we, we take by faith that these are true because Jesus taught them as true. Like Jonah, he refers to Jonah and yep. Stories like that. So yeah. when people say those aren't true, then you you definitely need to sit down with Jesus yeah. and explain it to him that these or things didn't Adam actually happen. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Jesus was him. convinced that the flood was real, Adam yep. and Eve were real, et cetera. Yep. Um, you have number three, they have to be consistent. Uh, so if you have a book and you're trying to figure out in the first century or second century or third century, like, is this really revelation from God through man? Is this one of those unique books where God is revealing himself? There has to be a flow and a consistency of doctrine and feel. Those are kind of the words they use. If it's out of the orthodoxy or normal right teaching, you know that God wouldn't contradict himself. And so uh, you look, there, there are some, there's so much weird literature, particularly in the first century from a, a Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, like format. It was very different, very weird, very unlike how God would reveal himself, very confusing, very ethereal, just uh, didn't really give people something to hold on to and grounding, very unlike the way God reveals himself with such clarity. Right. And again, a subset to that is the books refer, not just the writers, but the books refer to each other books, to the other books as well. So you have a consistency yep. between the books that they are in the Bible. self-reference each other. Correct. And then finally, number four, it has to be orthodox. It has to harmonize with uncontested books and the doctrines that they know to be true. So those are the four big, like, here's how we recognize it. Um, apostolic, accepted, consistent, orthodox. Now let's talk about Old Testament books. Which Old Testament books um, did the did the Jewish people particularly, because the Jewish people were tasked with um, bringing together the oracles of God, as Paul says in Romans 1, like this is their responsibility as the people, preservation and protection um, and accumulation of God's word. They had some hesitancies about or hesitations about some really specific books. What were they? Yeah. So uh, some of them are like really easy to accept, like the Psalms, you know, the, these guys were really careful about yeah. how they protected these books and they, and they use them all the time when they went to worship and hmm. uh, there are Psalms for worship, there are songs for ascent, there are songs for all, all these different things. Uh, but there were a couple of, that were controversial, and they were controversial for good reasons. Uh, Esther was a controversial one because it never mentions in the name of God. It was accepted in the end because it is, it's a narrative of an event that happened historically in Israel, um, and it is key to the life of Jesus Christ. So you have this this woman from Moab who ends up in the line of Jesus, and that is referred to later on in Scripture as well. So there were there was enough juice in there to keep Esther in, even though it doesn't actually name the, the give the name of of God anywhere in it. Uh, the other one was Song of Solomon, uh, and that, that kind of goes without saying. Were you at Village when I preached Song of Solomon? Uh, I I was, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. It was interesting. It was it was yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I I, uh, I always appreciate how God talks about the church only in the Song of Solomon and his love for the church. Are you joking? <laughs> Come on. You, you know it's so funny for our listeners? If you uh, if you don't know Craig, you'd think he smoked for 40 years. <laughs> it's just how he laughs. Just for the last 10. Just for the last 10. No. Song of Solomon is a, is a great book to read uh, because it tells of a man's love for his wife and the wife's love for the man. Written by Solomon, of course. Mm. Um, and the beauty in it is, is, um, it, it is a pretty, pretty amazing book, but once you read it, you can understand how the, uh, yeah, puritanical church fathers would have an issue with some oh, yeah. of the things that are written in there. And also it's hard to stomach the, the hero's faithfulness in light of Solomon's faithlessness. And there's just, it's, it's a, even it's content is hard to wrap your mind around, you know, in light of the man or at least who the man became. And yeah. so great theories have come up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And his love for this one woman versus right. the 900 he had to choose from. Totally. And it would, and also it makes sense that this was about his earlier life rather than his later yeah. life. Or there's other theories that it's actually not about him or he's the, actually the bad guy. There's a lot of weird, uh, interpretive theories of Song of Solomon. Um, for it's sure. written like a play and I would recommend that you read yep. it for sure. No doubt. Oh yeah. 
Um, so there's there's three other Old Testament books that were were way less controversial, but there was a bit of discussion around them. And those would have been Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Ezekiel. Um, Proverbs was an erratic book. It was a, comp- a compilation of a bunch of other people's writings, mostly Solomon, but some other people. And uh, the, the verses don't connect. Yeah. It's it, just sayings that are excellent. Right. And, and that's, godly and inspired, but not connected. It's, yeah, it's hard. It was hard for the people to say, okay, um, where does Proverbs begin and end? Is all of Proverbs. Uh, canon or some of it. Mm. And which ones? Is it just Solomon's Proverbs? Those are different because there's a few other people, you know, right. writing things. So right. um, Ecclesiastes is just dark. Um, it's just a dark, dark book, which I would expect God in a dark world to write a dark book. The Beatles loved it. Yeah, they did. Um, and then Ezekiel, uh, honestly, it just it's weird, but it, there wasn't a lot of controversy around it. But Ezekiel can be pretty crazy if you just keep kind of reading. Will in the sky, baby. Hey, baby. Now let's talk about the New Testament. Uh, 20 of the 27 were universally acknowledged, uh, except uh, for, we'll call them the general epistles and revelation. So talk a little bit about like Hebrews, James, Jude, 2nd, 3rd John, uh, 2nd Peter, Revelation, et cetera. Yeah. You probably have more to say about this one than I do, but the one that gets me always is James because James deals with a lot of uh, works and and if you read it out of context, you can get a works-based salvation. Luther, for instance, who started the Reformation in 15, 16, 17, he, um, he had a real problem with, with including hmm. James in the canon. But that's because he was coming out of a very Catholic, um, uh, a, a very warped Catholic yep. view where politics and religion were pretty much the same thing. And you were reading a Bible, you didn't understand the Vulgate that was around for a thousand years. Yeah. And so you had priests who literally didn't know what they were reading, teaching people stuff that the, basically the church told them to tell them. Mm. And it became very dictatorial, uh, a scary time. And, and it's unfortunate. So when, when Luther broke off from that through, uh, through an amazing interaction of God, and if you've never read about Martin Luther's life, you should do that. Not, not uh, um, uh, Martin Luther King, but yeah, this would yeah. be Martin Luther back in the 1500s. He, uh, he had a real problem with it because he had come out of such a dictatorial uh, base of religious yep. system. He wanted to be a priest. He was so disillusioned with the priesthood. He he did not intend to start his own religion, uh, nor did he, but he began the Reformation, which is reforming the church mm-hmm. that was, fixing it, and uh, and went back to Scripture as sola fide, sola, gratu- uh, sola gratia, sola, uh, sola scriptura. You have to say those with like Italian accents. Yeah. Sola gratia. Sola <laughs> So that's only, only scripture, only faith, only grace. And he was impacted by the book of Romans. There's a lot to go on there, but he had a problem with James because James seemed to be a leap backwards yep. where it became a works-based salvation. And he had had it with, with indulgences and people paying their way into heaven and the church taking advantage of people. And so um, that's why he had a problem with, with James. But in our day, the, the pendulum has swung somewhat back to the middle. So we can read James and understand faith without yep. works is dead. It's dead. And, we, and we understand what that means. Whereas yep. with him, it was, it was a little more convoluted. Yep. The book of Jude quotes uh, a deuterocanonical book. That, oh, that's right. The book yeah. of Enoch, yeah. and uh, which is a very weird book. And what we say about those books is they're valuable for the people of God. They're good to read. They're insightful. They're snapshots of history. Um, but but they're not scripture. And so the question for the early church was, 
Well, he's quoting deuterocanonical books. So by putting Jude into the Bible, does that validating validate that, that right. we should put those in? And and what we find is Peter, for example, quotes other pieces of literature. It doesn't mean he's validating the entire piece, but he could validate a piece of content from that literature. And um, you get the book of Hebrews, which is – so like when you talk about writing levels, you could have first grade writing levels, eighth grade, whatever. If, if John writes at a elementary, early junior high level, Paul's writing – We'll say intermediate, intermediate uh, high school, to early yep. college. Yep. Yep. The author of Hebrews is like PhD level writing, mm-hmm. and there's a um, a word. It's called hapax legomenon. It's this really you funny say it with word. an Italian accent. Hapax legomenon. Killing me, man. I got this deep cough, and it's like every time I laugh. Sorry. Ah. No, you're good. Hapax legomenon. Anyways, it's a uh, is that my Christopher Walken version of it? <laughs> hey. So, more anyways, ca- more cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> I got a fever. Sorry. So <laughs> Craig does this to me. He just gets me gets me going and distracted. You play into my ADHD. Sorry, in a, sorry. A very inappropriate way. Back okay. To, back to work. Hapaxagomena is a word that's only used ever in the Bible once. And so a lot of times, like words will be used all over the place. And so you can figure out what a word means in its context by seeing how it's used in different places. Yep. Well, the book of Hebrews has more hapaxagomena in one book than all of the New Testament combined. And it's just this very deep difficult letter. And so people have tried to attribute it to Paul, which would give them, which would give the book automatic legitimacy. Well, that's the other part. Paul doesn't write like that. Right. And that's the other part they had a problem with. The author does not identify himself or right. herself. Yeah. And and the book is tremendous and wonderful. And there's a few places in there where the book can leave you with a notion that salvation um, is, is, can be lost. Um, yep. And that, that was obviously very concerning because part of the just foundational doctrines of salvation is its permanence. Um, you get James, we've talked about James, Jude, second and third, second and third John are a little weird, but not, not crazy weird. Um, very personal books, very personal books. And second Peter also gets just to be a little bit strange, seems to reference, uh, by implication, some of the deuterocanonical books, which if you don't know what those are, um, go back and listen, explore God's sermon in January of 2019, the village church. We talked about that. In fact, on the Q and a podcast, uh, there's a couple episodes on those, but, um, yeah, very simply though, it's, uh, they're good books. They're clearly inspired. Um, but the church had to fight through these and really work itself out. Did they meet the criterion? Were they apostolic? Were they accepted? That's where they struggled. They proved to be consistent and they proved to be orthodox, but it took a little bit of work for them to get there and to have acceptance on those issues. Mm-hmm. So that is our episode on what books almost didn't make it. Um, I, I am very excited about this next one. Why did so many books not make the New Testament canon? Like the Gospel of St. Thomas the Gospel of Mary, etc. Let's talk about that. Epexagamina. <laughs>